0: joined by my regular co-host unilateral latitude adjuster jeremy ruggles
1: i think that one's been used has it it's sounds... in the
0: middle of the list
1: <laughs> well we can do another one in case it has been when we check okay just give him, just him another one right to now them? okay yeah.
0: he may also be custom concrete blend taste tester jeremy We'd ruggles definitely use that one right howard someone move these around in my what are you list? doing sean i swear it's not me all right, this one definitely has not been. This yet. is a wreck. This <laughs> is just, a wreck. <laughs> right out of the gate. I
2: quit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. I'm your host, Sean Hartman. I'm joined by my regular co-host, Wall Street's premier public spouse arranger, Jeremy Ruggles. I got what you need. I think you've used that response before. Is that a problem? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
2: I've also arranged spouses before. Is that a problem?
0: As long as you love what you do. Never work a day in your life, and we're also joined by Irish wet dock conservationist Peter Cook.
1: Irish wet dock conservationist. Yeah. All right, I am. I do have Irish <laughs> checks in, out in my blood. It checks out.
0: <laughs> and then we have a special guest, third Chicago guest in a row. We've been here all day, Chicago World a, Tour. Yeah, taking the course of three weeks in actual real time podcast. We've world. been
2: stranded, and it's very cold. No, actually it's been pretty warm most of our stay. You sure? Should we talk about the weather more? <laughs> Who's here?
0: Something we can all get behind. So we are joined by space job generator Shannon. Hi.
3: I love space. And who jobs? doesn't?
0: <laughs> oh. Let's get more
1: jobs up there. <laughs>
3: yeah, more jobs in space economy. Just oh, is that machine? a problem?
1: Is that gonna be a problem, Jeremy? <laughs> this
3: is my space machine.
1: Space okay, generator, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that Space generating job a job right now? <laughs> right
3: now, live. Wow.
1: <laughs> That's the sound of job generation. <laughs> so Shannon Gross, what is it that you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: I am a DJ, I sell vintage, and then I also happen to be a lawyer, which helps those other two things. <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm a record collector.
1: Well, that is why you're mainly here, I believe. Although we might need some advice for—I'd buy that for a dollar at some point, right? Some legal representation. Oh, oh.
2: true,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> true. It's coming.
1: Well, what have you brought for us today?
3: So I brought the only the first record that popped into my mind when I heard about this podcast, which was Cindy Lopper's "She's So Unusual" from 1983.
2: Uh huh. Fantastic. Yeah.
3: Classic dollar bin score.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, this is a record uh, that we uh, we've done a few of these now that are kind of titles that were big in their day, but maybe aren't quite as hyped anymore. And I think you're going to talk to us a bit about that kind of in its time as well as nowadays. But is there a song you'd like to get us started with so we can get a sample of the flavor before we move on?
3: Yeah, let's do track three, When You Were Mine.
1: The Prince song.
3: This is a Prince cover. (laughs)
0: How long after the original Prince version was that song?
3: So Prince was in 1980 on Controversy. As, or I'm sorry, on Dirty Mind, his third album. And then this her version is 1983. Um, and that was one of four top five singles from mm. this album. So I think that's also why it's so prevalent. Because um, they, I mean, Domination. she killed it. Mm-hmm. And she was the first woman to have... Four top five singles from a debut album. I read that today. I didn't have that knowledge just stored in my head, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm happy to report.
0: Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Were she and Prince buds. I know like Prince is usually very picky about who gets to cover his music.
3: I don't know the answer to that, and I'm okay. gonna have to Google. I I I could see them getting along. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, they're both. Like, kind of weird. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Highly individualistic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and,
3: like, very into kind of governing their own careers. And yeah. What they do. So, definitely. yeah. Which is part of the reason that I love this record is because she was super specific about the song she wanted to put on it, like, the creative direction, and then also just her own look. Like, she's wearing thrift store, and she has an insane haircut. Yeah, um, right there on the yeah. cover. It was just kind of very into doing her own thing she directed like all the videos that came out for it or if to if she didn't direct them she was like very involved in the construction yeah and like her mom and family were in them and like all her like kind of like east village people yeah, so is that where she's from she's from queens okay originally but i think she was hanging out kind of in the east village in the 70s and 80s and she has a if you have an opportunity to look at the record she has a chain on her ankle which is supposed to be like her like feminist symbol i guess to be like held down so i love it it's so good
1: (laughs) How uh, how long have you been a fan of this record? When did it come into your life?
3: So I was looking at it because I w- I was wondering if it still had the price on it, and in fact, it has a thrift store like chalk of three ninety seven. So maybe I overpaid uh, <laughs> for this podcast. I don't know, but no um, five dollars or less yeah. median value is okay, what we do. So good. it's fine. I would say four dollars is a steal for this. Yeah, I've had it at least. 15 years if not longer back in the day when you could still find awesome stuff at the thrift store sorry I know that might be an over topic for this (laughs) but um yeah so at least 15 years and you know like when you're just getting into records and you're like a little preteen teen teen I don't know I always went was interested in what women were doing and uh, so I have I was also got like all the B-52s and the Go-Go stuff all nice. at that time because that's it's cheap. And were,
1: were you able to get like the early b fifty two stuff cheap then? Yeah. back you Th- got, You're I, not going to get it now.
3: I thrifted all that stuff wow. back then but it was kind of pre you know the renaissance of vinyl and mm-hmm. everything so I was taking advantage Yeah, <laughs> at the time. Yeah I guess I'll to keep going on this just about Cindy so yeah she I think to me it's just amazing that it was such a popular record but I think it's because her songwriting is so awesome. So there's two covers, there's the Prince cover, and then maybe we'll play another, there's Money Changes Everything, which is a cover of a punk song by this band, The Brains from Atlanta. But then her songwriting on it is so strong, like time after time. Um, that
2: song is, oh it's a it's, devastator it's so
3: good right and yeah and i think it just speaks to people and then girls wanna have fun obviously is like i think the sign that people associate her with
1: yeah absolutely <laughs> that's her calling card yeah
3: which she wrote and then she bop like the ode to female masturbation yeah like, classic <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay.
3: yeah i just i just love it
1: there's another big hit off this uh, all through the night
3: all Through the Night. Yeah, that one, for whatever reason, I just don't have as much of a personal connection with, but I think she wrote that one too, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I worked in retail for years, and that song
2: played constantly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <in> <laughs> so, so we won't need to play that one, for, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I, I've always detected, like, a punk edge to her, and you just said that the other cover from this album is from a punk band. Is she, like, from the, like, New York punk scene or, like, connected to it in some way?
3: She was very much like there. And she had her first band was called Blue Angel and they were kind of punky, but maybe a little more new wave. And I just, I was like... In getting ready for this, I was reading an interview from interview magazine with her from 1986. And it was like, kind of an aggressive interview, like the style of the interviewee was like, so what do you say when everyone says you're just emulating Debbie Harry? Um, <laughs> And she was, she's so gracious. So she was just like, Oh, I love Debbie. She's definitely an influence and like, just kind of like let it slide so but yeah i think she has she's definitely pulling from that world and i think as a young punk that's probably why i liked it because there's the elements of kind of rock and roll to it all time after time i also read today was covered by miles davis which i think is another like Testament yeah. to the great songwriting that it, it is.
1: Yeah, not long after she did, mm. within a couple of years yeah. on her, the Stop, You're Under Arrest album, he he covered the <laughs> instrumental version of it. Yeah,
3: And apparently he was a big fan. So if it's good enough for Miles, it's good enough for me.
2: <laughs> exactly. That's I <tie>, page yeah. <laughs> everything. Let's jump into another cut. You have another song you want to...
3: Yeah, let's go back to the punk. Let's do Money Changes Everything, which the, is the first song.
2: This is the
1: Brains cover? Yes.
2: That's a bold song choice for an album that went on to sell a lot of copies, right?
3: Yes, and the song is about a woman choosing a man with money instead of love. So, feminist anthem, I guess. (laughs) I was gonna say maybe Bernie should choose that, the refrain as his like campaign song. (laughs) It would be perfect. Yeah.
1: Yeah, she really opens up there in that latter half of that song, and there's that there's so much personality.
3: Yeah, four octave voice. Yeah, she's she's got it, and uh, yeah, I just I love her. Like sh- there's the Americana breakdown with the m- possibly melodica. <laughs> yeah, we we're we we're debating
0: melodica or harmonica, something yeah. along those lines.
3: Yeah, um, and she's just got that long scream. I don't think. I could hold that much oxygen in my lungs (laughs) and make it sound good and be adorable all at the same time. Yeah. I think
1: that's one of the, uh, you know, there's, you said like in the interview that, you know, someone's coming at her aggressively and she's not necessarily, she's not an aggressive personality, but she's kind of a big personality.
3: Yeah. And there's a great interview with her on uh, David Letterman from like around this time. And she comes out and she's dressed like, just completely bananas and it's like such a foil to letterman because then he's so like under, his humor is so like dry and understated and she's like kablam yeah. <laughs> um, but she's hilarious and i saw her a couple years ago and I, like she is still she's a hilarious performer like she just cracks jokes and stuff and then but she also made me cry so you know <laughs> she's she's um political hero in some ways like i know she spends a lot of time and money on an organiza- organization to end homelessness with lgbt youth you can look her up donate
1: yeah look more uh, yeah. into it
3: <laughs> yeah so she's covering this punk song and fit, but turns it into like a four minute song so making it her own yeah this, stretches it out yeah. um i find the original is actually kind of boring comparatively maybe it's because i heard this one first
1: yeah well, i can't say when we were discussing you doing this episode you mentioned the brains and i actually i'm not familiar with the brains i thought at yeah. first you meant bad brains oh.
3: That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, they're, they were like a smaller Atlanta punk band, and then um, they were friends with the B-52s, and so they kind of like were, they got like a major record deal, and it kind of just fizzled. Um, so they sort of lost the background, although I'm sure there's Atlantans out there cursing my name for saying yeah. <laughs> that. But <laughs> the they've never been the... like a big band that I've followed, but I just think it's cool that
1: that she chose we to had, cover that song. And to open the album with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You said there's two, the, so we've heard the two covers now. Yeah.
3: So, and then When You're Mine is the Prince cover, mm-hmm. um, which I meant to say when we played it. I mean, that's a song about having a threesome with your partner and then watching them, like, leave you for the other person. Leave you and for the other... She had a hit. With, I don't know. I mean, if that's like classic Prince content. It's fun that yeah. she could make that like a mainstream song <laughs> was the
1: was the do we know was the prince song a hit originally or did she i, I don't know offhand. i don't think it was yeah. i'm not sure though it's one of my favorite prince songs uh, but and she does a great version uh, and i crooked fingers do a great version as well it just it holds up i mean it's prince what are you gonna do but <laughs> and I, it's
3: stilted love you know it's yeah a classic tale
1: yeah <laughs> How about the originals that are on the record? Because the rest are are written by her, is is it mostly her? I
3: think the rest are mostly her, and definitely the other hits are all her. So, I mean, I guess we can do Girls Just Want to Have Fun. I mean, I'm sure everyone has heard this song, but why not hear it again?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. It's the best. Let's go ahead and put that on.
0: listening to that i was just thinking about how very rhythmic her vocal delivery is sometimes she holds notes out sometimes they're cut short and then brought back slightly it reminded me a little bit of us talking about the brothers johnson record we did a few weeks back and noting how it was a very rhythmic vocal delivery on there it's interesting how some singers have that as part of their focus and sometimes it's more just the you know the melody kind of thing it's it's interesting i
2: like it you also forget like when it's a big hit like that sometimes you hear it in the grocery store or wherever and it's just in the background but when you actually like focus in like the delivery was so impassioned and intense that you I don't know I feel like sometimes you just forget with hit songs like oh yeah this is actually a good song not just everywhere
0: yeah it's it's easy to lose track of the fact that these are still personal statements you know th- this is this is art this is what she was wanting to make, especially when you're talking about how much control she had over her career and the choices she was making. It's it's easy to forget about that angle after it's been so huge and such like a ingrained in pop culture for so long.
3: Yeah, and I think like feminism is a really important topic to her. Like in that 1986 interview, she's out there saying, I'm a feminist. Like, that's what that song is Mm -hmm. about. That's what I'm all about. Like, that's why I have so much control. And the interviewer was like, oh, well then, and she was saying like, I just want everyone to have equal opportunity and blah, blah. And he's like, oh, well, doesn't that make you a humanist? And she said, no, I say I'm a feminist for a reason and yeah. I thought I'm like wow She's like that's like I couldn't tell when the interview is from at first and then I don't know just thinking that that's 1986 like that's the pretty bold era yeah, yeah right yeah, well,
1: yeah. Was, I think second wave feminism at this point you know she's probably really carrying the torch at this point on, on at the end of that yeah and uh yeah hearing it you know now uh it kind of reminded me that's also just the stylistically the song Seems to be more of a throwback to early rock and roll R and B. It's a weird comparison to make, but around this same time, you know, Billy Joel had some songs that were like throwback
4: mm-hmm.
1: songs as well, like Uptown Girl and they whatnot. were friends. Oh, were they? Yeah. Okay, so it's not as weird of a comparison.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're like New Yorkers together. Okay. You know? On We Other World, she said she specifically tried to stand by um, Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen because she was like, They're New Yorkers, they get me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also just like think her I mean that's a song we associate with her but if any song came on and Cyndi Lauper was singing it you would know it was Cyndi Lauper like her voice is so distinctive and I don't know I guess maybe it's kind of like where the other person I can think of like that is like Joanna Newsom or something, which is so more, so much more polarizing. Like I'm like I don't know anyone who says they don't like Cindy Lauper's voice, but maybe they just don't want to tell me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So did yeah. you want to discuss more about just kind of this album's impact? in its time or?
3: so i mean i meant so she run the grammy for it not that i i mean what does a grammy mean i don't know <laughs> but um it's worth she, mentioning it's, you know she got an she award got the recognition. for it yeah sometimes i think like it is so much more like punk sensibility and so to me it's just mind-boggling that not only did was it did it have a hit it had four hits and it was like you know multi i think it was, i don't know how many rec- copies it sold but based on how many there are i think it was significant and it's just to think that she was became like this mainstream star is pretty wild to me i don't know because i think today who would that be although i did just read something where she said she thinks like Billie eilish and lizzo are like her like kind of like carrying her torch
2: i can see that
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah. those were like the first two people that came to mind yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) it's like that makes sense
3: yeah because lizzo's so fun and positive and, and then, very feminist yeah and super feminist and then Billie eilish is like super i mean she's not for me but she is a super talented songwriter and like her singing is beautiful so mm-hmm. I can yeah, see the, and unique. she's a weird a little bit of, you know i always see her in like sweatpants but you know <laughs> yeah yeah definitely yeah.
1: not for the male gaze yeah. like the way she's dressing right. yeah. totally Absolutely.
3: Yeah. On that the male gaze like Cindy Lauper and Madonna had a, I think the media kind of created this like this comparison between them because Madonna was like they and they are kind of coming out of a similar scene, but Madonna's like the sexy one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think why I compare them? Or I I don't know. I think they're musically they're pretty different. Yeah. Even like um Madonna's first record is like not very punk, just saying.
1: Is that with a ho- holiday yeah. on it? Um, that that's on? the,
3: I don't know, yeah. it, the wedding, like a virgin, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that her debut I
2: think she LP? might have one. No. No, I'm not that, a huge Madonna uh, follower. True so I don't Poo is the first oh. one, right? Or no? <laughs> we're, all just, we're
0: all asking each other without anybody actually knowing. <laughs> not, who really nope. knows if <laughs> Someone is a friend,
1: upset somewhere. I have a friend that's a huge, uh, John Meredith, a huge Madonna fan. He's yelling at us right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, though. I mean, we're here to talk about Cindy Cyndi yeah. or not Madonna. That's right. <laughs> uh did she ever did she ever really have another i mean i know she didn't have another album that hit as hard as this one that she did the goonies song a few years later yes correct? yes that was just on the soundtrack i think
3: so yeah. and then she did the score for kinky boots and won a tony for that so she's won all the awards that you need <laughs> to win and she still puts out i mean she i think she's interested in kind of like, she, she puts out country records and blues records and all different kind of stuff. Still, I'm not up to speed on any of that, but I'm just here listening to sh- She's So Unusual, like once a week, but <laughs> <laughs> no, she's still going. And when I saw her, she was like the utmost performer, like did, hit every note, was like super engaged with the crowd. So I think that's still kind of like being a singer and performer is still the thing she likes to do. So I think that's cool.
0: Do you have any recommendations of maybe similar time periods, similar vibe, things that haven't uh, blown up quite as much? We'd mentioned the B-52s and those records are so hard to find now.
3: Which is also crazy because I feel like they sold so many. So the Go-Go's are another good example. I mean, I feel like they're a little more rock and roll sound, less synthy than Cindy, but they have like kind of came up in the same way just on the other coast
1: yeah well obviously yeah. belinda carlisle's later solo work was much more mainstream yeah. produced but the early i mean the gogos were the more dangerous group uh, you know, of the like the bangles mm-hmm. and the gogos they of course yeah. got pitted against each other too right. probably yeah unfairly but uh, they were i mean the gogos were kind of like kind of had that punk edge to them they
3: they were all i mean that's what they came out of the la punk scene so yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I can't think, I have to go pick up the record because I can't think of the girl's name. But, you know, all these kind of, like, early 80s, like, New York punk-adjacent women LPs, I'm really into all that stuff. So I just picked up one in, in a dollar bin, and the reason I picked it up is because I was, the she looked kind of, the record looked a little bit punk. Just had this woman on it and, like, an outfit, and I was like, eh, maybe... And then I looked in the back and Jerry Nolan from the New York Dolls was playing drums on the record and I oh, was nice. like I'm going to listen to
1: this cuz I think I'm going <laughs> like to like it. If you um, you want to grab it yeah, real I quick.
3: Grab, ugh, I don't know. But That's sorry. <laughs>
1: That's all right. So, <laughs> so it'll give our she can't yeah. uh, Shannon cannot find it but it will give our listeners something to seek out, something that Jerry Nolan played drums on that was fronted by a punk singer.
3: Yes, and also was on Tony, uh, Tony Orlando wrote all the songs on it and produced it. And he later started his own record label, which Divine became like a disco star on in the eighties. And uh, you know, he had like a whole second career. And so did Divine on this guy's label. So should be, someone should be able to find it but i cannot <laughs> yeah. in my own collection apparently well, it, it, um,
1: it appears you have a lot of uh glam and punk knowledge or- that's
3: yeah that's i love it <laughs> records i'm presuming
2: yeah. by looking at these stacks you got stacks around here yeah there's a we,
3: we got stacks um and i also am into 60s um rock and roll and soul i don't know it's more the punk knowledge is more fun to look up because well not necessarily the stories are crazier but
1: so maybe a little yeah you're gonna play we talked a few weeks ago uh, w- on the Huey Lewis episode with Scott about crime which we're unfamiliar with and you said you're gonna play us some crime yeah you're gonna introduce us
3: yeah this is a, the sparse world of the crime punk band <laughs> um, <laughs> and i um, just thinking also another like great sort of cheap set of record there's so many great power pop LPs that are in the dollar bin like anything by Nick Golder or Dwight Twilley
1: Oh, we yeah, Dwight Twilley. Yeah, yeah.
3: break the breaks. Uh, these were all things that I was thinking about doing for this cheap trick. I don't know, is cheap trick still cheap. That's another one of those like records. It's I tricky to say.
1: Used
4: yeah,
3: to they, be able to get you, yeah. you can get yeah. their stuff pretty cheap. You know, yeah. like all like there's just a, a Pez bin. like all these kind of you, you can go in any dollar bin and find an awesome power pop LP where their forty five might be a lot more, but you can just, you can still get sweet power pop, which LPs is like the
0: there. the opposite. Of a lot of other genres. Yeah. A lot of times like the the 45s are cheap and the LPs are impossible to find. You get that with like soul music yeah. a lot of the times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what would be something you're looking for that would tip you off that it might be a power pop record you're previously unfamiliar with? Is there any, yeah. any way to kind of describe that for someone who's trying to get into that genre a little bit?
3: possibly being overly simplistic a skinny tie doesn't hurt yeah <laughs> that's what i <laughs> yeah. thought it's, it's one of those genres yeah.
0: where like you can tell by the way they're dressed yeah. more than anything
3: um and i like a lot of like kind of like a little bit but so the power pop i guess it's like peak was probably like 78 to 82 but i like some of the earlier like 74 like the raspberries is another uh, a eric little carmen. bit earlier also you can find so many cheap great eric carmen records mm-hmm. the dollar bin so good if you're going a little bit earlier sometimes and dwight twilley fits in this too it would be uh the hair it's like that yeah i don't know how to i don't know what haircut it is it's <laughs> not quite long not quite short there's some flow
1: dwight twilley is looking for the magic correct? yes That's... um
3: yeah an illinois you know guy Got so I was I was trying to decide what to do and I was like I could front do some Illinois pride but I try to focus on women in my collection so I was like I'm gonna go with Cindy but
1: no that's great yeah we try to focus on a lot of women artists yeah. on this program so it's a great pick and it's a record that you can find probably in any used record store you go into
3: yes and everyone should have a copy it's also great for parties
2: true
1: yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of bangers yeah. On it. Well, do you have any, uh, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about the record or if you got any pluggables that oh, yeah, like to my speak plugs.
3: about? So if you're in the Chicago area, I do a 60s dance party night with my friend um, and we play all 45s at Slippery Slope and it's called Tangerine Beat. Um, by the time this airs, I think the most recent one will be already happened. But just you can look us up. I post all my DJ gigs on Instagram at. at and pieces vintage I also sell vintage there but that's not what this podcast is about but that's the easiest way to find gigs and you should come out because it's always really fun
1: awesome sounds like a good time well Shannon Gross thank you for sitting down with us and talking about this 80s gem that many people might have just not considered really checking out is there maybe a a deep cut you'd like us to to go out on
3: oh I was gonna go out on time after time because it's so killer it's totally fine
1: (laughs) totally fine Uh, yeah
3: this is her magnum opus i think and i apparently originally started like as a reggae song and then they decided it was like the lyrics were too sad so they like slowed it down and i uh, I guess i can hear it
1: having those origins that makes sense
3: it's with her co-writer so
2: this has been i by buy that for a dollar my name is jeremy ruggles
1: my name is peter cook i'm sean hartman
3: shannon gross
2: Thank you for listening to another episode of I Buy That for a Dollar. In case you were wondering, Shannon reached out to us and the mysterious punk rocker she was trying to name is Lynn Todd. So check out Lynn Todd, More Good Jams. If you like the jams we're producing, obviously you can listen to us wherever, but if you leave a comment, a review that helps other people find us, or if you'd like to support us fiscally on patreon.com slash I'd Buy That Podcast. This is the last podcast we recorded in the before times, so stay tuned for some quarantine-inspired jams. If you're feeling lonely out there and just want to, you know, reach out to us, talk, I'd buy that podcast at gmail.com. Or we also have a Facebook group, I'd buy that for a dollar group, I think it's called. And you can post some cheap records you found that are awesome and talk with other people who are into that thing. All right, thanks. Bye, guys.
4: After my picture fades And darkness has turned to grey Watching through